Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving. Uh, speaking of next steps, we are packed out up there today. About 25 brand new people are going through next steps to get connected to Bethesda Church. Um, and so we're just excited. If you uh, didn't get it this time, don't forget, we do this each month, once a month. Uh, take, take some time to, to go through that, get connected at a greater level. We've been in a series called I Found um, this month. We talked about I Found Freedom. And then last week, if you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and check it out. We talked about I Found Healing. How many know that our God heals? Half of you believe it, but... If you've ever been healed, then you know what I'm talking about. But today, we have a very special guest to come share the word with you. He's one of our own. Um, Some of you know him, some of you don't. But if you would, would you stand with me and let's give our student pastor a great big welcome, Pastor Jeremiah Balstick, as he comes to share the word to close this series out. Thanks so much. Love you. Come on, 10 o'clock. Give it up for Jesus this morning. Come on. Y'all go ahead, be seated. Good to see you all. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, Like Pastor Chad said, I am Jeremiah. I'm the student pastor here at Bethesda, and uh, thank you guys for being here today. I am going to be closing out our series entitled I Found, and this is just such a powerful uh, series for freedom and healing, and today I'm going to be talking about direction, and how many of you guys know that uh, as the church needs it, Greenbar County needs it, the state of West Virginia needs it, the United States needs it. Come on, we all need healing, freedom, and direction. So uh, this is going to be a great way to close this out. And like I said, I'm going to be teaching on um, the topic of divine direction. And uh, if I had a subtitle for today's sermon, it would be entitled On Dry Ground. Now, there's a book by Pastor Craig Rochelle called Divine Direction, and in this book, it talks about seven decisions that will change your life. And the one chapter that spoke to me the most was the chapter entitled, Go. And in this chapter, Pastor Craig uh, shares a story about when he was in college. He was a very eccentric partier. A, uh, a, a, he's that guy at the party that would do crazy stuff. And you're like, this is why we can't have nice things, Craig, because of you. But anyway, so he was very known for being a big partier and everything else. And uh, anyways, he got saved and uh, just it, it truly got set on fire for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit led him uh, to do a Bible study with his fraternity brothers. Well, he shared this with his fraternity brothers, and they all laughed at, laughed at him and said, Groeschel, there's no way we're doing a Bible study, dude. Like, you're crazy. It's just the phase. This isn't real. It's not that big of a deal. But he goes, and he, he's walking to class really defeated after this conversation, and, and he's just kind of talking to himself like, well, God, you told me this was going to happen. But the craziest part about this is he doesn't even have a Bible at the time. So he's wanting to lead a Bible study. He just got saved. He's a big partier. But he doesn't have a Bible, so you guys can see the big dilemma that he's having right now. So anyways, he's walking to class, feeling defeated and everything else, and, and he stumbles upon this man in the concourse, and 
the gentleman standing there in a suit jacket and tie and dress pants and nice shoes and and Craig walks by him and, and the gentleman says, uh, young man, he said, do you happen to, uh, do you, do you happen to need a Bible? And he kind of looked up at him and said, yeah, I do actually. And he said, well, here you go. Craig said that he thought it was an angel, but come to find out it was a Gideon. If you guys don't know what Gideons are, they are <laughs> it's the Christian company who uh, supplies Bibles uh, to motels and hotels and uh, gives away tens of thousands of Bibles every year. But it's pretty crazy now because that right there, that gentleman that gave Craig a Bible had no idea what he was doing. But Craig Rochelle was now the senior pastor of the largest church in the United States of America in Oklahoma. And they run about 50,000 people a weekend and about, I don't know, 25 campuses or something like that. So uh, it just goes to show that uh, God will intervene in those situations. But this is going to lead me to share something from this chapter that will kick off today's message. And that is direction, not intention, determines your destination. And what Pastor Craig means by this, that it's not enough to try to do something. You have to take steps in the right direction in order to get where you're supposed to go. And I believe that as we close out the season of prayer and fasting, that there's going to be a lot of us today who are excited about eating, but I don't know about you guys, I'm really excited about seeing what God's going to do. I, I've, I've had a big list. Okay, God, I, I'm getting in alignment. This is what this fast is about. But you know what, God, I want to see you move in some areas of my life. And I believe that God is getting ready to say the word go to so many people and and I know that God's spoken and shown revelation to many different people under the sound of my voice. And I just believe that in order for us to go to the next step, we've got to take a leap of faith and go in the right direction. But as we look into the book of Exodus, we find out uh, the story of God and Moses in the first part. And if you guys don't know anything about Moses, he was called by God to lead the Israelites into the promised land and out of captivity. Now, here's just a few points that they're going to put on the screen about Moses. He was adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter when he was left in a basket in the river by his mother. He killed a guard and fled Egypt. And God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. And the first, one of the first things that God said to Moses is for him to take his shoes off. Now, you thought your life was weird, but then here's Moses. Y'all kill me. This is 10 o'clock. Y'all ain't 830. Come on, work with me a little bit. Now... That we have some, now that we have some information on Moses, we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 4, where God is telling Moses that he's going to be the one to lead his people out of captivity. Exodus 4, verse 1 says, Moses answered, What if they won't believe me and, I will, and will not obey me, but say, The Lord did not appear to you? The Lord asked him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Throw it on the ground, he said. So Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. The Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand, grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. Now, I'm just going to say we do not condone snake handling here at Bethesda. Now, <laughs> some of y'all are like, what? <laughs> Verse 5, this will take place, he continues, so they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. So to sum this up, God is talking to Moses and he says, hey, listen, uh, you're going to go to the Pharaoh. You're going to tell them to let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, what? No way. Not me. So they're going back and forth in any ways. He was like, how? And that's where we picked up. He said, how will they know that I'm speaking on behalf of God? And that's when he turns a staff into a snake which is kind of weird, but it's God, so it all works out in the end. But that leads me to this. Sometimes people run from the very thing that's going to deliver them. And I'll explain that a little later on in this message. But if you don't know anything about the backstory of Moses other than what I just covered, he was the most underqualified person to be used. 
he had a massive speech impediment. He was a murderer. He left his adoptive family. He didn't even know who, uh, who God was in that first part of the conversation. Now, God wants him to go back to the very area he abandoned and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. But we're going to look at what God says to Moses after they had a little bit of a conversation And we'll pick up in verse 10 of chapter four, and it says, but Moses replied to the Lord, please, Lord, I've never been eloquent either in the past or recently or since you've been speaking to your servant because my mouth and tongue are sluggish. The Lord said to him, who placed the mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. And this is what God's saying. Moses, I know what your flaws are. I know you've got a speech impediment. I know you killed that Egyptian guard. I know you left your family. But I'm the one that made you, and I'm the one that's calling you. So don't worry about that other stuff. I'll take care of that. And I think that's where so many of us are today. We, we hear God speak, but we give him a laundry list of, well, God, I'm not, I, I can't do this. I'm not ready for this. I can't do this. But I came by to tell you, if God called you to it, you don't have to worry about it. Because God's going to take care of the stuff you need to. You just got to take a step in order to see it happen. So we'll pick up in, uh, in verse number 12 again, and I really want you guys to understand this. Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. God is telling the man with the speech impediment, go speak, because God will draw the things out of you that are less likely to be used for his glory. And I believe that there are so many of us that are so called in this church. And I believe that during these 21 days, God has spoken to us in such a new and fresh way that we've just got to walk in this. And we've got to stop telling God what we can't do and start understanding that if God said, hey, I need you to do this, you probably should be like, okay, God, where am I going? It's that kind of attitude of, all right, if you called me to it, I'm going to trust you a little bit. This is a little scary, but you know what? If I heard you, I'm going to go with it. So to fast forward in the story of Moses, God tells Moses what to say. Moses then goes to Pharaoh and does exactly as the Lord said, turn the staff into the snake and then the snake back into the staff. But it didn't work. Now, if this was in 2019, most of us at this point would quit and complain about how it didn't work and probably get on Facebook or Twitter or um, go into Walmart in the middle of rush hour and just sit there and start talking to people about how it didn't work and y'all are blocking aisles and everything else. And hey, that ain't y'all. Y'all, you're none of that. Y'all are the safe folk. But Moses did the right thing with his upset feelings, though he went to God. So multiple times in Exodus leading up to chapter four and five, uh, God and Moses just had these conversations back and forth. And, and God's like, Moses, you're going to do this. And Moses is like, I don't know. Um, do you really know who I am? Are you sure you want to use me? I'm pretty sure there's another guy that you could probably use. And God's like, Moses, just go. Like, stop with the games. It's okay. I'm going to tell you what to say. So he goes, all this happens. It doesn't work. And then he goes back and has another conversation. And God's like, now I'll go back again. So could you imagine the repetitiveness of that? But how many of us are in that spot where God said something to us and he said, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to free you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to save your marriage. I'm going to make sure this gets right. I'm going to make sure your finances are taken care of. And we read all these scriptures, but at the same time, it's like over and over again, like, God, where are you? And that's where we have to go to God because we've got to have these conversations of, we can't go to Facebook and talk to God. Ooh, that church... Woo, that's a tough pill to swallow. But here's what we got to understand. Facebook ain't going to get you anything other than a couple of likes and people saying praying for you. But that ain't really going to get you. There we go. 
Listen, at the end of the day, we've got to start having conversation with God. That's what's wrong with this country. We don't talk to anybody other than each other. We don't talk to the guy who created us. That's it. We ain't going any further than that right there. But for all of chapter 4 and chapter 5, God explains to Moses who he is, what he's done, and what he's going to do. So Moses then goes back to Egypt and does just as he said over and over again. And each time Pharaoh said no. And this leads me to this part of the story in chapter 6, which is entitled God's Promise of Freedom. And we'll pick up in verses 3 through 5 of chapter 6, and it says, But I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh will not listen to you, but I will put my hand into Egypt and bring the military divisions of my people, the Israelites, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the Israelites from among them. God then tells Moses his exit strategy to get the people out of Egypt. So from Exodus 7 to Exodus 12 is the tale of the 10 plagues that God sends to Egypt. Now, if you're not familiar with the 10 plagues, let me just break them down for you. This is a very a various of plagues ranging from frogs and locusts, which that's pretty weird in and of itself. But then the last plague is the angel of death coming to the firstborn in every house if they didn't mark their house with blood of a sacrifice. So during this time, God tells, isn't it crazy that God tells Moses what's going to happen before it happens? Anybody hear me? Isn't it crazy that God tells people stuff before it happens? Like, hey, this is going to happen. And then when it happens, like, oh my God, what just happened? But we forget the fact that if God told us, he's already in that, right? Because he can see. So God tells Moses his exit strategy. for So for five chapters, 10 plagues take place. And at the very end of chapter 12, the Israelites exit and escaped Egypt. Now, that was just some foundational work to get to this point. Sometimes persistence is what you need to get a breakthrough. Divine direction is you taking the first step based on the word God spoke to you. You don't have to have the faith to finish. You only have to have enough to start. And I think that's where we mess up so much. We feel like we've got to have all this endurance and all this strength that we've just got to keep on continuing to go on and on. But we've got to understand that all we have to do is just step in the right perspective and step in the right place and God will ordain our steps. We try so hard to finish the race when God says, I, listen, all I need you to do is take a couple of steps and I'm going to help you the rest of the way. Because we try to play God and we tell God we don't need him in those moments when we really do need him. But Moses could have easily said, God, I know what you told me, but Pharaoh isn't budging right now and he keeps laughing at us. But instead, he just kept doing what God told him to do. And I feel like we've become such a burning bush generation that we ignore the power and the simple word of the Lord. And what I mean by this is that we want to see the big signs and wonders of God, and that's perfectly fine, but we dismiss the power in his words. Because if Moses didn't listen to the command of God in the burning bush, then he never would have seen the miracles that would later happen in his life in the wilderness. And if you aren't familiar with this story, later on as they escape and everything else and they're in the wilderness, God provides manna, God provides water, God provides all this stuff, but it only depended on the fact of God speaking and Moses obeying. So many of us want the check to come in that's going to give us a little bit extra for the month. We want to see our spouses saved. We want to see our significant others saved. We want to see our families come back to Christ. We want to see all this stuff, but then at the same time, we want to see it happen, but we won't take steps to see it happen. We just want to sit here and we just want to, you know, just be, we want to complain about it, but we don't want to speak to it. And there's a difference. 
So Moses could have easily said, God, I, I don't think I can do this. But you've got to understand if God spoke it to you, it's going to happen. It may not be in the time frame that you think it's going to happen, but it's going to be in the time frame that you need it most. So now as we look towards the Exodus 13, just to recap, 7 and 12 talks about the 10 plagues. They are now out of Egypt. Moses is now in charge of leading millions of people out of captivity. And some scholars even believe that was an upwards of 2, millions people, uh, 2 million people, which is just a little bit less than the state of West Virginia. So imagine that a guy with a speech impediment who's pretty old walking around with a staff in his hand leading the state of West Virginia outside the United States. That's pretty crazy, right? But God didn't give them a word, then leave. He was with them the whole way as they exited Egypt. So we pick up in chapter 13, verses 21 through 22, and it says, The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and in a pillar of fire to give them light at night so they, may, so they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of night, fire by night never left its place in front of them. That's so key right there, verse 22. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. You've got to understand this is so significant for us because God did not only tell the people they were going to leave and send somebody to deliver them, he had a pillar of fire leading them by night, meaning this. In the sunniest of days and in the darkest of nights, God is ahead of you and God is making a way for you to go. All we have to do is just follow him and listen to his voice. The process to freedom is a journey. You can get healed, you can get saved, and I believe you can find freedom. I believe without a, God could snap his fingers and everything could, everybody in this room could be healed instantaneously, not a shadow of a doubt in my mind. But the process to freedom takes time. It is a process. So when someone is in recovery, there's usually what? 12 steps to completely getting free. And as we move into Exodus chapter 14, we see God telling the people where to camp out after the days of traveling. We pick up at the beginning of 14, and it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pi-Hahiroth. I listened to that, by the way. I'd, uh, some of y'all are like, what? It's a big word. That's what I'm saying. I had to listen to it to understand what it meant. Between Migdal and the sea, you must camp in front of Baal Zephon, facing it by the sea. Now you may say, why in the world did you just read me that? Thank you for asking. Because Pi-Hahiroth means the mouth, and Migdal, when translated, stands for the tower. And this is significant because God was setting up the Israelites to be protected by the tower for them to have a high vantage point to see God swallow their enemies. Lo and behold, they didn't know it, though. And the craziest part was that this Baal Zephon place was a place of worship for the Egyptians. So it's crazy how the enemy thinks they're going to one place, but they didn't know that it was actually a trap for them. But that's the beauty of faith, right? Israelites didn't know that. They were just doing what God told them to do. Isn't it crazy that when we listen to God and what he says to us, things always work out right in the exact way we need it to? Well, walk with me for a second here, all right? God hardened Pharaoh's heart so he would chase the Israelites. Exodus 14 Verses 5 through 8 tells, us, uh, tells this, and I'm going to skim through some of them. Verse 5 says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people and said, What have we done? I'm going to skip down to verse 7. He took 600 of the best chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt with officers in each. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out defiantly. So you've got to understand, they exited it, but God allowed it 
to start chasing them. Okay, that, that may sound a little crazy, and that may mess with some of y'all's theology, but work with me, okay? So Exodus 14.10 tells us, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. The Israelites were terrified and cried out for the Lord to help. Now imagine this, you're Moses, and you're sitting there just doing Moses stuff, you know, by the sea, hanging out with a staff and whatnot, and all of a sudden, you've got two million people screaming at you, telling you that the Egyptians are coming, that's crazy. Like, I deal with middle schoolers that yell a lot, and that's like 40 to 45 up there right now, and that's a lot, but could you imagine two million people screaming at you like, hey, uh, Reverend Moses, did you know that they're coming after us? And about that time, you probably see dust settling from the chariots coming, and the guy on the way back is like, hey, they're coming. So that's at the very back of person, two million. So by the time it gets up to Moses, Moses is probably like, oh, dear Lord. But I love it, though, because Moses doesn't freak out. It says the Israelites freaked out. But Moses said this in Exodus 14, 14. Moses said, the Lord will fight for you, and you must be quiet. That's a word right there. And here's the thing, though, because it's not a, it's not a cue for you to be quiet and just sit in silence and say, God, you do it all. no. It was Moses telling the Israelites, stop complaining, stop crying. It's going to be okay. God's going to fight for you. You just got to be quiet right now because we've got to hear God. Because you, some, God's a gentleman. He won't scream at you and tell you. It says the, the what? The quiet, small whisper, right? God doesn't yell because he's a gentleman. So God's not going to scream during all this. So Moses knew that. Moses was like, guys, we've got to be quiet because God's getting ready to help us here. Because sometimes we try to speak when God is telling us to act. And just because you left Egypt doesn't mean Egypt won't come after you. Because so many of us got freed and set free and delivered. I can't tell you how many people that have been to this church in 2018 got set free from drugs and addiction and bondage. And it's so, I know, it's just a God thing right there. But sometimes people don't understand that Egypt can represent many things. It doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol or pornography. It can be a bad relationship. It can be a set mindset of negativity. It could be a poor stewardship of your finances. There's a lot of different things that could stand for Egypt. And there's some things that you prayed and fasting for that you fasted for that are going to try to rise up and come after you, but you've got to understand that you don't need to say a word in that moment. God has saved his people from Egypt and he's about to stand in the gap for you. All you have to do is just understand if God did it for Moses, he's going to do it for you. So here we are, two million people losing their mind and one man with a staff in his hand looking at a sea in front of him and the Egyptian army approaching behind him ready to kill them. Now, verse 15, I love it because you would have thought out of context, Exodus 14, 14 was God. But it actually says, Moses said, the Lord will fight for you. You just need to be quiet. So God speaks after Moses tells the people to be quiet. In verses 15 through 16, it said, The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As you lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And Exodus 14, 19 tells us, Then the angel of God who was going in front of the Israelite forces moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved in front of them and stood behind them. And how powerful was that, though? Because let's look back. The Spirit of God, the angel of the Lord, 
was a pillar of a cloud. God was a pillar of cloud and fire for the Israelites going in front of them, right? We read that. So now you've got the Israelites behind them and God says, okay, hey, listen, Moses, stretch out your hand. The sea's gonna part. It's gonna be okay. But then God says, hold up, while you do that, I'm gonna go take care of this. And then he comes and stands in the gap. Come on, somebody, help me here. Listen, you think... Because we always want God to be in front of us, and that's perfectly fine. God says he's in front of us. His ways are higher than our ways, and he makes a way where there is no way, and, and that's fine. But there's a time where God says, you know what? While you're taking care of that, let me take care of this real quick because you can't handle. You, two million people can't handle that army. I'm God. Let me handle that. And that's where we've got to say, okay, God, if you told me to stretch out my hand, let me stretch out my hand. And this is so significant because when he stretched out his hand, that's a sign of worship. That's a sign of praise. And we've got to understand that though you may not have all these spiritual capabilities that you think you do, if God told you to stretch out your hand and something's going to happen, you need to take it to the bank. Because the same staff, the same staff that turned into the snake was the same staff that was getting ready to deliver them from the Egyptian army. Verse 21 tells us, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea with dry, on ground. I got my tongue tied there. Y'all excuse me. Through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them, to the right and to the left. And I said this to the first service, and it was so profound. God kind of illustrated this to me. He was like, listen, so you've got me standing back here. You've got freedom in front of you, and you've got the very thing that was stopping you parted, and you've got a wall of protection on both sides. Why aren't you walking? You've got to understand something. It's time for us to take a step. I'm tired of coming to places and people being like, well, we've done the same thing for 15 years. We haven't seen God move. Could you imagine that God's not waiting like on anything else other than you taking a step? You want to know why your family's not delivered, why your family's not healed, why you can't get your finances in order, why you keep going to marriage counseling over the same thing for 12 years? It's because we're not taking the steps to go towards what God has called us to. You've got to understand God's behind you. You've got the wall on each each side, it's time for you to take a step today. When you leave this place, I don't care what it is. If you've got to make a phone call, if you've actually got to walk out here and do something, you've got to start taking a step because God is going to get tired of waiting on us and he's going to raise somebody else to take our place if we don't. And I am not going to have somebody take my place when God told me this is what you're called for. Bethesda Church, we're a place of healing, a place of freedom. People will find their purpose and their calling in this place. We've got to understand we're going to take back Greenberg County. We're going to take back White Sulphur Springs. We're going to take back the state of West Virginia. And you know what? Just for icing on the cake, let's go ahead and take the United States while we're at it. Why not? Come on, somebody. You've got to take a step. Come on. Somebody's going through on dry ground today. Say dry ground. Somebody's going through. Listen, I know what it looks like. I don't know what you came in here with, but all two services, I have felt a heaviness in the spirit, which means people are coming in here tired, broke, disgusted, upset, offended, mad, 
What y'all need to do is understand you've got to let that go. And in about 10, 15 minutes, we're going to open up these altars and people are going to get free. People are going to get healed. People are going to get direction. They're going to get vision. It's going to be a good time. But you've got to understand that sometimes it may look impossible that there's a sea in front of you, but you're going to go through on dry ground because the angel of the Lord, I love it though. This is my favorite part of this story is because God said, you know what? I've got you to this point. You can take care of this part. You don't need me for every single step because I've already made a way. Because we want God to move all the time. But do you understand that in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell on us, Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than me? Think about that. Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than me. But yet, we want to hear God yell and say, do this. The book of James says, faith without works is dead. We got to put action with our faith. So as we pick up in verse 26 through 29, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so the water may come back on the Egyptians. Now the Israelites are already on the other side. So stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived, but the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on the right and in their left. Here's to sum everything up that I just said. Here's what this means. God made a way for it to be dry ground as they walked. But once they got to that side and the enemy kept coming, that addiction kept coming, that mindset kept coming, that offense kept coming, that struggle kept coming, those people that were trying to get to you kept coming. God said, hey, Moses, before you go, hold up. Turn around, lift up that same hand and watch out water. Think about this. The same water they walked through on dry ground was the same water that destroyed their enemy. The very place where you're about ready to walk is gonna be the same area where your enemy's about ready to get defeated right there. And God's gonna allow you to do it. Because the very thing that was meant to destroy you is getting ready to drown in the very same area you walk. Because here's the thing, though. Some things and some people aren't meant to go where you're called to go. And that's what divine direction is. It's enough faith to say, God, you know what? You've called me to this. Let me take my first step. So you take that first step. And you've got to understand that your steps are ordered by God. And sometimes God says you have to take the first step in order for this. Because God's a gentleman and he won't force us into things into anything so we've got to understand that we've got so much going for us and I feel this so powerfully the spirit of God is behind us ain't nothing getting through that and we've got a sea parted in front of us and the only thing separating us from freedom in the next level is us taking a little bit of steps and as we take those steps of everything that tried to destroy y'all the very thing that tried to get us in 2018 we're about ready to turn around and god says hey by the way watch this happen and just snaps his fingers and everything's going to go away that's so powerful direction not in intention determines your destination moses probably had the intention that everything was going to be okay once they got to the campground because god told him to go to the campground 
Little did he know God already had a plan in store to not just deliver them, but to take care of everything else. And that leads me to this last point, and the Holy Spirit just laid this on my heart. You're not just going to get to a place of freedom. You're going to go to the next level, and everything that's been trying to get rid of you is going to get rid of. Every single thing. I'm not just, and the Holy Spirit just said it. He said, I'm not just going to take you to the camp to rest. He said, I'm going to take you to the other side, and everything else is going to get destroyed. I didn't say that in the first service. I promise y'all. If y'all could just stand with me for a second. We're going to have two calls here. First of all, being the most important one, if everybody could just bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody leaving the room at this moment. Let's be very reverent. If you're here and you say, Jeremiah, I don't, I don't know Jesus. I, I don't really know who you're talking about and uh, I'd like to know him. Or you may say, you know what? At one time I knew who he was, but I just don't think that I'm where I'm supposed to be. And if he came back today, I don't, I don't think I'd make it. If that's you and nobody's looking around, all heads bowed, all eyes are closed. Could you just raise your hand just signifying that you need Jesus to save you right now? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that other hand. Thank you for that hand back there. God bless you. I just sense just the presence of God that's going to break strongholds. We'll just stay here for another second. Anybody else? Not going to call you out. Not going to make you come up to the front and do anything crazy. One online, thank you so much. God bless you. Awesome. If you guys just repeat this prayer after me real quick. Dear Jesus, I come to you and I ask, do you forgive me for all of my sins? I confess that I need a Savior and I make you the Lord of my life. So Jesus, save me and change me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give it up. We just had another one get saved online. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you wherever you're at. If the prayer team and staff could join me at this time, we're gonna do a a specific prayer. The Holy Spirit laid this on my heart uh, for this altar call. He said, during prayer, people who need direction and vision. So with that being said, we're going to do one more worship song. And as we close out with that, if you need direction, you need vision, you need anything like that, we're going to stand in agreement with you. We're going to believe God for you. And it's going to be a great time. And we believe that strongholds are going to be broken before you leave today. Amen. Awesome. Well, God bless you guys. Let's worship one more time. And let's just go to the throne boldly and humbly. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.